0: It will cause division between spouses. It will cause division between mothers and daughters. It will cause division between friends. I mean, that's just the way it is. And if you're going to follow him the way he wants you to follow him, you're just going to have to come to grips with that fact. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the Gospel according to Matthew. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. Jewish religion in various forms and sects existed before John the Baptist or Yeshua came to preach the true gospel of the Kingdom. Yeshua did not come to build on or to expand the existing Jewish religion. Yeshua came to usher in a new true religion based on the truth that set men free. In this portion of Matthew, Yeshua makes it crystal clear to his audience that his intent and the purpose of his teaching was distinctly and succinctly setting it apart from the teachings of the day. Yeshua's followers would be distinctly set apart from those who would follow Jewish traditions. The message title in this podcast is A New True Religion. So, let's study. So as I said, we're going to be talking about a new true religion. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter number nine, verses 14 through verse 38. And so while we are doing that, we um, wanted to, at least I wanted to um, just, went, as, I was, as I was preparing, it's like, you know, this is a lot of, a, a lot of ground to cover for us. But Father made it so simple, made it so simple that we're gonna be able to cover all of these uh verses and hopefully uh it won't take us a whole long, a whole lot of time. So I'm gonna need you to put on your speed hearing uh gear. Um I want you to tap into his spirit and, and just really connect with him as as he um instructs us in this place today. I mean in my notes as I sent out inviting people to uh, join us in this particular teaching, I spoke on the fact, and we've spoke on this several times, that before Yeshua, before John came telling people to repent for the kingdom of heaven was near, and Yeshua coming after him preaching the gospel of the kingdom, that religion existed before. As a matter of fact, there was an established religious system that had been in place for hundreds of years before Yeshua came. The problem with the religious system that existed, although it had the word, it had the Torah, it had the instruction of the Almighty, it also had some traditions that were instituted in the midst of this instruction that caused people to add to his instructions and therefore destroy them. Did it totally destroy as far as uh, making it null and void? No, because within the traditions that had been added, the word was still there. The word was there, but the word was being presented to the people and the people were dependent upon those who presented to them the word. No different than today. There are many people who have Bibles. They have different versions of the Bible. But instead of trusting and depending on the mighty one, And his spirit, who is our teacher to instruct us, we become more dependent on them who present the word to us. Many of us have more sermons and statements of faith and religious phrases in us than understanding of what is written. We exalt preachers, teachers, prophets, apostles, evangelists, elders over the word. I did it myself. I can go back to the moment when I came out of the world into the Baptist church, start reading my Bible and come to the place to where I'm reading what the Bible say. And I go to church and what I read and what I'm hearing in church contradicts each other. There is a issue. I'm seeing it one way. It's being presented to me another. And because I don't know. The things that I know now, I didn't trust my ability in what I was hearing. I, put, I took the faith in the one who was speaking to me and put my faith in the preachers who preached to me. As a result of that, I had a lot of teachings, a lot of sermons, belief systems that change from place to place. See, and here's the thing. When I'm in one space and believe and Father moves me to another place, I find I have to abandon some of the things that I've been taught and I'm being taught some things that is different than what I've been taught. And then to the next place, I got to abandon some more stuff and embrace some stuff. And what I'm seeing through these travel is that I continue to abandon stuff, embrace stuff. And what I was abandoning and embracing was the teachings in the environments that I was in. I many of you know, during all that time, the word never changed. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. The word didn't change, but you did what changed you. It wasn't the word. It was the application of that word based on the environment that you were in that caused you to acquiesce to the environment so you can get along in that environment. The moment you begin to independently think and hear from the almighty yourself, you found that the environment that you had incorporated yourself in began to be somewhat caustic. Which now you find yourself having to kind of leave because you realize what you didn't realize when you went in that you all are not necessarily like minded. So the Jewish religion existed, not to mention in various forms and sects before John the Baptist or Yeshua came to preach the true gospel of the kingdom. John preached repentance. And after John was thrown into prison, Yeshua preached repentance. And here's the thing that really got me is that if the people were doing, were preaching and practicing what father had given them. Why would they need to repent? It's not like John came preaching to the Gentiles. It's not like he came preaching to the foreigners, the goy. He came preaching to the people of Israel. Why would they have to repent? Repent from what? They got the synagogues. They got the temple. They got scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees. They got people teaching them by the thousands. And yet he's calling these people to repent. Yeshua did not come to build on or to expand the Jewish religion. He came to dismantle the religion of the Jews, which was steeped in traditions and bondage to the religious leaders. And this is why the religious leaders had a problem with him. Yeshua came to usher in a new, true religion based on the truth. That set men free. What we find in the new Testament brothers and sisters is a bunch of demons abusing people, binding people up, a bunch of sickness and disease that don't seem to have existed in the old Testament at all. We don't see necessarily the prophets having to cast out demons, The people of Israel having to be delivered from demons, sickness and disease among the folks. In fact, the Bible tells us Jehovah sent his word and healed them from all their diseases, delivered them from all of their calamities, saved them. And so between the Old Testament and the New Testament, all of a sudden, Yeshua comes into an environment where you got demons abounding, folks needed deliverance, sickness and disease, blind folks, sorceries and a whole bunch of religion. Kind of like what we got today in this portion of Matthew, Yeshua makes it crystal clear to his audience that his intended purpose of his teaching was distinctly and succinctly setting it apart from the teachings of the day. Yeshua's followers would be distinctly set apart from those who follow Jewish traditions. The people said at the end of Matthew 7, after Yeshua's sermon on the mount, after the Beatitudes, after he began to teach them about the kingdom, this man teach like he know what he's talking about. Basically, that's what he's, they're saying. He teaches one having authority, not like the scribes. Who is the scribes? The scribes were the ones who had authority. They were the teachers of the law. They were the people that the people depended on to explain to them and interpret, and to interpret to them what the law actually said. And yet Yeshua came teaching and the people said... His teaching is different. And what would he say? He says, "Listen. You've heard what they said, but let me tell you. You've you've heard what they've been teaching. You've heard it been said by them of old, but I say unto you." And so what he was doing is he was correcting a lot of the nonsense that was going on with the people that opened the door To all of these sicknesses and diseases and blindness and deafness and and leprosies and and, and death. We're going to see in this passage that deaf and dumb spirits, spirits that affect people hearing and affect people's speaking are actually demons. Death is a spirit. So some say. Christianity was started by Christ. Others say Paul created it. You've heard people say, you know, Paul created the Christianity. Others say Christianity is the white man's religion imposed on people to control them. The truth is the Roman Catholic Church replaced the Hebrew Messiah with the Latino Christos, which we know as the English Christ. And in so they created Christianity. And all of the holidays associated with it Christmas, Easter, Lent, Apostles' Creeds, Ast- Asthenasian Creeds, they, they established liturgies, orders of services. Every order of service, even here. I mean, you know, I know that when people first come uh, to our, our ministry. You, you really don't know if, if they haven't watched, you really don't know what they expect. But I can see it in their faces while they're sitting. I know what they expect because of what they're accustomed to. What they're accustomed to is an order of service that they've seen in all of the places they've gone to service. And when they come and they don't see things that they may be. F- you know what you felt when you first walked up in here? Just think back. <laughs> Unless, of course, you had been with us for a while on the Internet before you came. But most people, when they walk up in here, they, they they expect something familiar. And when they don't see much that is familiar and they hear things that contradict what they have heard, they have some issues and some challenges, which is why most of them don't come by. See, I've been in the environments where preachers are hired to build the church. They're they're hired and and they are assessed by the number of people that come after they come. If a preacher comes and is on the payroll and the church don't grow, well, what is the growth? The growth is based on headcount. So in order to increase the head count, you've got to come up with a friendly type message that appeal to people that don't offend people that don't really require anything of them. And then you got to provide some entertainment. And I'm going to tell you something. The entertainment starts from the time folks walk on the grounds. Most people, when it comes down to churches, the reason why they're so attached to their churches is because of how they feel. They may feel loved by the people. They may feel that they're, you know, it's something that 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 gives them the wrong warm fuzzies that they are familiar with when they went to church as little boys and little girls. And as a result of that, if they don't get that, then guess what? Just because they don't come back here don't mean they don't go someplace else. Because what they're going to do is they're going to continue to go until they find what they are looking for. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, folks, that's why a long time ago I used to say stuff that folk would say, you know, you probably should be saying that stuff. But, you know, when I, when I stand up here and I say I'm glad to see y'all, I'm glad to see y'all. Because the fact that y'all coming back is unlike what a whole lot of other folks have done. But if you, if you weren't here, I'd still be here preaching. Just like they ain't here and it ain't stop. And I don't even know, when folks left Yeshua, do you think it stopped him? No, it didn't. So when the Catholic Church began to, the Roman Catholic Church, Church specifically, they, they began to make changes to separate itself from the Jewish way of doing things and establish another priestly system that it, that was distinct from the biblical priestly system to where the pope became the high priest the cardinals kind of became the the the, the authority the the, the 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 chief priests and it just continued to to work itself down all the way down to the layman and this is the system and its order Christ is not found in the Old Testament. Christ is a New Testament word. Now, if the Old Testament is about the Christ, then it seemed like the Christ would be in the Old Testament somewhere, right? Well, you know, according to the religious theologians, they have put Christ in the Old Testament in our minds through their teaching. Why? Because they associate everything Christ to Messiah, even the definition. When we were going through John, we identified some of it. Mashiach means anointed, the anointed one. This is Messiah. And you will find Mashiach, if you, if you look, look up anointed, anointing, you'll find Mashiach throughout the Old Testament. You'll find Messiah in two places in the book of Daniel where the word Messiah is actually there, but the definition is Mashiach. And if you look up the words that is associated with Mashiach and begin to search it out, you'll find Mashiach going all the way back to Genesis. People used to say in the and notice this when you and I were in church, they would say in Genesis, Genesis was the first Messianic prophecy not Christian prophecy. Think about that for a moment. The serpent will bruise his heel, but the seed of the woman would do what? Bruise his head. And this we heard, most of us we hear, we heard that was the first messianic prophecy. You mean Christian prophecy, right? No, messianic prophecy. Why? Because the messianic prophecy was associated with Messiah, not Christ. Messiahs, is the Greek form of Messiah. And John makes us aware of this. It's the Greek form Messiah's anointed. Now, wait a minute. Holy, holy, holy. Isn't the New Testament supposed to have been given to us in Greek? So if, if, if we are in the Greek portion of the Bible, then the translation or the Greek word for Messiah should be what? Messiah. How do we get Christ from that? Messiah is the Greek form of Messiah. And then notice a name of Christ. Now, the, when people look up a name of Christ, guess what? They come to the conclusion that Christ is Jesus' last name. Christ is not his name. It means Messiah. This is what they're telling us. And so the brainwashing continues, and we don't know better. And so we adopt terms and associate those terms to things that when the truth comes, we refute the truth because of what we believe. So where did Christ come from? Christos. Christos, Christ equals anointed. Wait a minute. I thought mes- Messias was the Greek. So so here's here's what we find, because when we go to the cross, originally in the Bible, we find that Up on the placard that was on that cross was three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and what? Latin. Where is the Latin coming from? The Romans. You see this? Christos is a Latin word, not a Greek word. So who introduced us to Christ? The Latin. What Latin? The Romans. What Romans? The Roman Catholics. So Christos, which we get Christ in English, is the Latin form of the Greek Messiah and the Hebrew Messiah. John 141, he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. That is not interpreted unless it's interpreted in the Latin. But how many of you know we don't study Latin? And yet we use Latin phraseology when it comes down to the Hebrew Messiah, Christ. Christ comes from Christos, not from Messiahs. you all with me today? The woman said unto him, I know that Messiah, is, John, 425, I know that Messiah is cometh, which is called Christ. See now think about this. When most of us came into the church, what gospel was we given? John. And see, that was part of it's like if, if if Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, if John is the last of the four Gospels, why are we being given the last of the four Gospels instead of the first? Why John? Because according to theology, John reveals Jesus as God and who is God? Christ or Messiah, who is being interpreted Christ. So initially from day one. We're being indoctrinated to abandon Mashiach, abandon Messiahs, embrace Christ. And with Christ comes Christianity and with Christianity come all of the traditions of Christianity. Christmas, Easter, and all the other stuff that's associated with it. And you know what? We didn't know that was happening. And most of the people who are doing it, it happened to them. And they didn't know it was happening because it's a tradition that had been passed down for hundreds. In fact, it came to the American shores that perverted gospel came to the American shores. Christ didn't, didn't preach Christianity. So as he said, the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah's cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Then came to him the disciples of John. Okay, we're back in Matthew 9 saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast off, but thy disciples fast not? Now we went through that last week, but notice I pointed this out. Why? Because then came the disciples of John. Now here's the thing I want you to see. John's disciples Or John's disciples came to Yeshua and said, why? Or they came to him, his disciples, or came to Yeshua. Why do we and the Pharisees? So who is John's disciples associating themselves with? Why is it that we and the Pharisees fast? So now, Understand something. If they're connected to the Pharisees before John came, who were they following the Pharisees? So the disciples of John were followers of the Pharisees until John comes along preaching repentance. They begin to follow John. But how many of you know, John did not preach the kingdom gospel. John came telling people to repent for the gospel For the kingdom of God is at hand. John didn't have the gospel of the kingdom. He was a forerunner of the gospel, preparing people for the one who would bring the gospel of the kingdom. This is why you can get all the way into Acts and you'll find John's disciples who have never even heard if there be a Holy Spirit. Yeshua taught his disciples in their enclaves things that he didn't teach the masses. He taught the masses, but he focused on his disciples. And you'll see when he began to speak about the Holy Spirit, who was he speaking to? So they said, why are your disciples? We in the Pharisees and and, we, we fast often, but your disciples aren't fasting. And again, we went through that last week. At the time, John was in prison, but had not been beheaded. In verse 12 in Matthew four, we we, we were there. Now, when Yeshua had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. Now, when we get into Matthew chapter 11, you're going to see that while John is in prison, he sends his disciples and he says, are you the one or should we be looking for another? And Messiah is going to use some of the things that he's going to do in this passage when he says, tell John the blind received their sight, the dead are raised, people are being healed, and the the gospel of the kingdom is being preached. So, John's disciples did not follow the teachings of Yeshua, and this statement appears they fasted according to the Pharisees' traditions, indicating they probably followed the teachings of the scribes and Pharisees, but had been baptized by John. Verse 15, and Yeshua came unto them them and said, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then they shall fast. And here I pointed out that whether you eat or drink or not, You'll be demonized by the religious. Every time we announce a fast, people want to say, "Well, you shouldn't be talking public." The Bible says that when you fast, you go, and you, you you don't you don't let everybody know. Well, how are we not going to know? How are we going to fast as a, as a body if you don't know? He's talking about personal, just like your prayers. Imagine all of us trying to go into a closet and closing the door when we pray together. See, people be people take scripture. They take words from the Bible and apply them in areas that they shouldn't be applying it. They're using the Bible ignorantly. And it's important for us when we use the Bible that we handle the word, that we be mature in our handling of the word, which is why I don't get into conversations with immature individuals who want to challenge me on what is written. Because one, they don't even have the intellect and the understanding. It's like trying to feed a baby a steak and they got no teeth. So that's why I don't be responding to some of this stuff. I let other people respond to them because y'all got a lot more patience to deal with some of this stuff than I do. I I would have been to cut somebody off at the knees and moved on. And I don't be wanting to cut people off at the knees, but I'm going to tell you, I got a very low tolerance for for stupidity. Ignorance. I can handle as long as a person is seeking to no longer be ignorant, brethren. But you can tell when you're dealing with a stupid person who's ignorant and it, because they want to argue stuff they don't know nothing about. You ever, you ever got in a conversation and you realize that this person is, is not only ignorant. Why would, a, why would an ignorant person... Be arguing with you. What can an ignorant person defend? Other than their ignorance. Matthew eleven eighteen, 18. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he had a devil. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a winebibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. So Notice. John didn't come eating and drinking. They had a, they said he was a devil. Yeshua came eating and drinking. You, you see the point. Whether you eat or whether you don't eat, whether you fast or whether you don't fast. Whether you keep his word or whether you don't keep his word, folks are gonna talk about you. Period. Yeshua's illustration of trying to mix old with new. Verse 16. No man putteth a piece of new cloth unto an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it or taketh from the garment, that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. If you put a new cloth on old garment, you make it worse. And then he goes on and say, If you put new wine in old bottles, you destroy the bottles, and the new wine is wasted. Why is he saying this? What's the point? Because these, there's some people who, who are coming to him and they're questioning why he's doing what he's doing, but they come questioning him about his disciples. It's like, okay, you are a teacher, right? But if you were the kind of teacher that we are accustomed to, your disciples would be fasting like us and the Pharisees' disciples, Right, that was the issue that that they they were they were bringing to it it's like listen man i 'm not teaching them what the Pharisees is taught we 're not doing what they did. in fact, it goes on because this is what he 's saying. If you try to take what i 'm doing and 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 add it to what they 're doing, guess what you 're taking the true new Religion that I'm ushering in and trying to mix it with the old religion that you're accustomed to, and it's not gonna work. This is new wine. You can't put new wine in old wine bottles. Guess why? Because it'll be wasted. Another way of saying it is casting pearls among swine. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles. of else the bottles break and the wine runneth out and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles and both are preserved. Hence, follow me. Now we don't know who they were following before Yeshua said, follow him. But guess what? Because of their association as part of the tribes of Israel, because they were Israelites you would have to come to the conclusion that they probably were going to the synagogues. They were probably being taught some stuff. They were probably practicing the religion of the family. They were doing the stuff that other people were doing. And Yeshua says, follow me. So he plucks them out and says, follow me. Now, watch what I do and watch what I teach, because what I'm going to do and what I'm going to teach has not been done in Israel. And this is going to actually be said by some folks further below. Why? Because it's new. It's never been done. It's never been taught. You've never seen this. So he separated these individuals out from amongst the masses and gave them specific assignments to teach them and to disciple them and to train them and to equip them because he had a job for them, which was a massive job and is as it's more massive today than it was then. Why? Because the religions have spread abroad. It's everywhere. The saying highlights the fact that you cannot attach or mix Yeshua's new teachings to what was being taught of them of old, i.e., Jewish religion, Judaism, or the teachings of the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, etc. Trying to mix his teachings with what others taught will only make things worse or cause the truth to be wasted or fall on deaf ears. You cannot mix Yeshua's teachings with other religions or denominational traditions. What Yeshua is teaching is new altogether. Yeshua is saying the Gospel of the Kingdom stands alone. Don't mix it. Don't mix it. Don't try to sew it on to what you, what you that old that old stuff you got. Don't try to sew it on. Don't try to don't try to connect it to what you what you know. See, because what'll happen? And this is why This is why a lot of what you say, you know, is truth, but you speak it into the lives of people. And guess what happens? It seems to be wasted. They want to argue with you. They want to fight you. They want to dispute you. They want to demonize you. They want to tell you you ain't saved no more. I liked you before. Now you done not fall from grace. You're on your way to hell. You used to be heaven bound. Well, wait a minute. I used to be heaven bound, but now I'm on my way to hell. But yet once saved, always saved. Oh, but we don't think you were saved from the beginning. Well, I was with y'all doing the stuff you were doing. So if I wasn't saved then, what does that say about y'all? And Yeshua's going to deal with this issue. Yeshua's miracle ministry in the following passages, he's going to heal a woman with an issue of blood. He's going to raise a girl from the dead. He's going to give two blind guys their sight. He's going to cast out a dumb spirit. And then the people are going to say, these things have never been done in Israel before. Verse 18, while he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshiped a ruler and worshiped him, saying, my daughter is even now dead. But come and lay thy hand upon her and she shall live. This word ruler here is a commander, a chief. We come to find out, according to Luke, that his name is Jairus, but he worships. And this word is that you got a religious leader of a synagogue worshiping Yeshua. And and, and that word, if you look at number three in the New Testament, by kneeling or prostration to do homage. he fell on his face before Yeshua. He had a need. My daughter is sick. According to Mark 5:22, and behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. The faith of the people. And in this room, our faith operates in different ways. Your faith is going to be according to where you are. Your faith is going to be according to what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've been taught, what you believe. Your faith is impacted by a number of things. Many of you had a faith long before you knew the Bible. Why? Because you, you went to church where, where'd your faith come from? Your faith came from the stuff you were taught. And I'm going to tell you something. Religion, religion, teaches you more about what not to do and what you can't do than what it, than what you can see. Even in the Pentecostal circles, you'll find these Holy ghost rollers, you know, their Holy ghost is limited to speaking in tongues and dancing. It's like, that's the Holy ghost dance. That's the Holy ghost dance. Are you saying the Holy Ghost is making you dance like that? Well, that's why we call it the Holy Ghost dance, brother that's that's what it is, and when people get happy and then they get all they get all deep in the Holy Ghost dance, right but in 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 some circles, the Holy Ghost dance makes them swing flags. It's like what's the difference? Why is it, why is it your, your dancers dance like this and these guys dance like that? Is that a different Holy Ghost or is that a learned tradition? And what you'll find brothers and sisters is that there's a lot of tradition that is incorporated in what people call worship to where people associate worship with those traditions. Unlike the centurion whose faith relied on Yeshua speaking the word, the ruler's faith was in Yeshua coming to his house and specifically putting his hands on his girl. You see the difference? The centurion says, speak the word. The Jewish synagogue ruler said, no, you need to come to my house physically and, and lay your hands. Two different areas of faith. Which one was greater? Yeshua said to the centurion, I've not seen such great faith, no, in all of Israel. Why? The centurion relied specifically on the word. The ruler relied on the physical visitation. Verse 19, and Yeshua rose and followed him, and so did his disciples. Yeshua didn't rebuke the man. Because he didn't have centurion faith. He went to the man's house. Why? Because that's where his faith was. See, Messiah's going to meet you where your faith is. That's where he's going to meet you. He's not going to meet you where my faith is. So don't try to criticize my faith. I'm not going to try to criticize your faith. If I've got the faith to believe him to do stuff, why are you criticizing me? Why are you calling me? Beelzebub or demonic or why you got to do that? Why don't you just operate in the area of your faith? Let me operate in the area of my faith. I'm not going to criticize you because your faith is there. What I'm going to do is I'm going to teach. I'm going to do what Yeshua did when he saw these faithless people who were scattered like sheep without shepherds. See, the problem we have today is a lot of these scattered people got shepherds. They got pastors. But the pastors is just like them scattered. Trying to climb their way up the denominational ladder. Trying to impress the clergy. Greasing palms, politicking, buying their credentials. So that they could become over jurisdictions, regions, cities. That's the way that stuff works, folks. And if you ain't in that, if you ain't in that system, you don't see it. This is how the government of the organization operates. And you'll you'll see when somebody with more authority than that person comes in by how they kiss up to the person with greater authority. And this is why folks be wanting to know what your title is. Well, what's your title? What's your title? Well, I want to see if you're greater than or lesser than. It's amazing how people who are so big on titles call Messiah by his first name. The woman with the issue of blood. So while Yeshua is on his way to Jairus house, a woman comes along and behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood, 12 years came behind him and touched the him of his garment. For she said within herself, you see where her faith is. The centurion says, speak the word. Jairus says, come to my house. She said, "If I could touch his garment, that's where her faith was." So, what did she put her actions toward? Touching his garment, and that garment there, you'll find is this word "garment." If you do the if you do the 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 word search, you'll find that the word "garment" here is connected to Malachi, where it talks about the sun. It's a, it's a prophecy. Now, it's spelled S-U-N, but it's capitalized. The son of righteousness. Well, we know that the sun that goes up and down is not righteous. The son of righteousness will arise with what? Healing in his wings. If you look at wings in the, in the prophecy, in, in in Malachi, you'll find that the word wings in Malachi four is associated with garment, the border, the fringe. So when the woman says, "If I could touch his garment," she was referring to the prophecy of Malachi, because the son of righteousness will will arise with healing in his wings, and if this is him, and from everything I've heard. From everything I've heard, this is him. So if I can touch his wing, if I could touch his wing, I'll be what? Healed. And if you look at that word wing, border, ribbon, tassel, it goes all the way back to numbers 15. This is why I wear mine. Not because of I'm the son of righteousness. No. No but because we're commanded to wear the fringes. Verse 20. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood, 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within himself, if I may touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Yeshua turned about him when he saw her said daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Now notice, up until this point and no time afterwards, do we see anybody else touching his, the hem of his garment for healing? You might want to, I mean, it, it wouldn't be far-fetched to come to the conclusion that that passage in Malachi was written for her. However, we know that, you know, she's the one who applied it. So, and when Yeshua came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels, if you look up that word minstrel, you'll find it's a flute player. It's a flute player. These individuals at the man's house, these wailing women and the wailing women, These were individuals that helped the family mourn. They would wail and cry. You know something? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about emotion. If you're in a midst of people who are crying, the emotional environment that you're in is going to pull on you to the point to where it can draw tears from you. If you're in a violent environment, guess what? the environment that you are in can affect you to the point to where it incites you to violence. If you're in a party environment, that environment will excite you to party your environment. if, If you're in a prophetic environment, you may have never prophesied in your life, but all of a sudden you feel like prophesying. Why? Because the environment that you're in affects you. What's on you, the spirit of the environment gets on you and before you know it, you're operating like the environment. When David came into the com- no, when Saul, when Saul came into the company of the prophets, what did he do? Prophesied. He said unto them, "Give place." In other words, get out. Now the King James puts it nice. He says, "Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleep." And and what they do. They laughed at him. How can you fix your mouth to laugh at the Messiah? Because they don't recognize him as Messiah. It seemed like everybody have heard about this miracle worker except them. And I'm sure they probably had heard, but, you know, when you're stuck in your belief, then that's where you are. But when the people were put forth, in other words, he says, give place, get out. When the people were put out. He went in and took her by the hand and the maid arose. You know why I think he put him put him out. The man's faith. Was to go get him. Now he comes and he's surrounded by unbelievers How are you going to operate in the midst of unbelievers? Remember the Bible says he went to his own hometown. He couldn't do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So he put unbelief out. And in the process of putting them out, guess what? They laughed at him. But when the people were put out, he went in, took her by the hand, and the maid arose and the fame thereof Went abroad into all that land. The blind man. Verse 27 And when Yeshua departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Thou who? Son of David. What are they saying? They've connected him not to Joseph, not to Mary, but to David. They've identified him of royal lineage. They've connected him. To the one that the psalmist talked about father and his son. Why? Because David had been long dead and the prophecy is that the descendant of David will actually be the king. The scepter will forever be in the hand, the lineage of David. So these blind men, and what's interesting is that they blind, but they followed him which suggested to me they had some help or they were following the sound of the people who was traveling with them. I'm going to tell you something. When your eyes don't work, you depend on other senses. This is one of the reasons why a few weeks ago, I told you all when I was a child, for some reason as a child, I used to practice walking with my eyes closed. Anybody else ever done that? And see how far I can go. I wouldn't do that in unfamiliar territory. I did that in places that I was familiar with. I can go in every area of my house right now. In pitch black. Why? Because if somebody come into my house. I don't want to have to turn on a light. Now, they'll be stumbling all over the place. They will wish they had picked another house. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him and Yeshua said unto them, believe ye that I'm able to do this. So what did he do? He tested their faith. It's like, okay, wait a minute. They're following you. They said, have mercy on us. And he asked them a question. Why are they following you if they don't have faith? So I'm going to tell you something. People will follow you and don't have faith. They will follow you and don't have faith. Yeshua's disciples argued with him. Not the 12, except one of them sold him out. But in John, he says, you know, many of, many of his disciples, you know, they, they, they came and he said, listen, listen. Let me let me let me tell you what a true disciple is. Says that if you believe, if you receive what I'm saying, and then you abide in what I'm teaching, then you are my disciple. It's not just about believing, but abiding in. It's not about just knowing what the word says, but doing what the word says. There are a lot of people who believe what the word says, but when it comes to walking in it, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming more and more and more in line to, to the fact that, you know, I used, to, I used to struggle. I struggled, and I know why I struggled. I struggled because of my religious thinking. If Yeshua says a good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit, can a good tree bring forth bad fruit? Can a good tree bring forth bad fruit? But when he began to associate trees with people and fruit with behavior. How is it that we can see people who claim to be good trees producing Bad behavior. Do we believe what Yeshua say or do we believe something else? Why do we defend preachers who want to have sex with other people? Other than their wife? Well, now, brother, don't judge God. Don't touch God's anointed. God's anointed is a fornicator. God's anointed is an adulterer. Just cause he preached don't mean he's God's anointed. Just because they got a big church don't mean they God's anointed. Just because they've been preaching for a long time. How many of you know the devil dresses up as an angel of light? Is it a good tree or is it a bad tree? Because if a good tree can't bring forth bad fruit, then how can this tree claiming to be good produce bad fruit? Because we walk by sight. And not faith in what he said. There it is. Yes. I know this is wrestling. I know this messes with you because it messes with me. It's like I see these anointed ministers that I, I had some. How can they fall into the, into the things that they fall into? How can they be doing the things they do? Because darkness is in them. If darkness is in you, it's gonna be exposed. Men love darkness. There are people who have the appearance of walking in the light, but they're full of darkness. In him, there is no darkness. So if he's in you, what's he going to do? He's going to clean all that junk out of you. But you got to let him do it. Because if you don't let him do it, guess what? The day will come when the enemy, who you really serve but don't know it, it's going to expose you in front of everybody and it's going to cause everybody you get exposed to 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 question once again this book because see that's the way the devil works the devil likes waiting to people get to pinnacles of power before he exposed the darkness in them, because he knows there's a whole lot of critics out there that is going to use this to reinforce their critique of the truth. That's a fact, Jack. He's calling you to be perfect. Why are you wrestling with that? Well, no, brother, none of us is perfect. So you're calling him a liar? Are you saying you can't be what he said? Well, no, I'm not saying that. Well, what are you saying? Because see, what you have is a disconnect in your head. And what's that disconnect coming from? All that junk you've been taught that is wrestling with what he said. We got a lot of junk in us that causes us to wrestle with what is written. And we continue to move forward with this junk, wrestling with what is written, being double minded and unstable. Believe that I'm able to do this. They say, yes, Lord. Now, check this out. Believe that I'm able to do this. Yes. Then touch their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Now notice this next verse. And their eyes were open and Yeshua straightly charged them saying, see that no man know this. In other words, don't tell nobody. Guess what? Did they follow his instructions? There's a lot of people who call on him, who seek his face who ask him for stuff. He moves in their life, meet their need. And they don't even follow his instructions. He told them, don't tell nobody, but they, when they were departed, went and told everybody. Now, hold it. You might say, well, isn't that good for Yeshua's ministry? Really? If he told them not to tell anybody, what should they have done? Not told anybody. See, some of y'all wrestling right now. Now there's a demon that prohibited speech. Verse 32, as they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb man, the multitudes marveled, saying it was never so seen in Israel what do they say? Now they would have known if it had been done in their generation, just like they're seeing and hearing this stuff about this man. If, if, if somebody else had come along and been doing this stuff, wouldn't they have known it? They're saying, you know what? This has never been done before. Why? Because a new gospel has come. A new religion has come. The truth has come, and this truth is setting the captives free. If he's setting them free, and this has never been done before, then what do you have? You have a lot of people who think they're free, but they're in bondage. The old religion blasphemed the new true religion, still doing so to this day. But the Pharisees said he cast out devils through the prince of the devils. Here's what Luke version says. And if by Beelzebub cast out devils, he says, by whom do your sons cast them out? Now, this is the assume that they were casting them out. We don't have any evidence, but Yeshua is saying, if if you guys and your sorcerers or exorcists, or whatever you call them, is casting out devils, because understand, there were sorcerers now. These people were going to doctors. The woman, the woman, you know, there there was a woman, she spent everything she had. And still didn't get any better. Who was taking her money? Therefore, shall they be your judges. But if I with the finger of Elohim cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of the kingdom of God has come upon you. In other words, the evidence of what you see is proof that the kingdom has come. We will get into this more in in Luke verse 35. And Yeshua went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And the question would be, why would he do that? See, when he went into his own hometown, and when we go through Mark, we'll elaborate on it. The Bible says he couldn't do many mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief. And so what did he do? He went around the towns and villages teaching them. Why was he teaching them to build their belief system? To build their belief system. There's been many people who have come to our ministry who didn't believe in healing. Many people have come to our ministry who didn't believe in, in, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Who said tongues were the devil. Who didn't believe that they could actually hear from the almighty who hadn't heard from him. Who didn't believe or understand words of wisdom, words of knowledge, the demonstration of the gifts of the spirit. People had come to conclude because see, people will tell you today that sickness can be God's will. And you hear people were saying, you know, I, I'm glad for, for this sickness because God has, has, has helped me to understand him better through my sickness. Let me ask you this. Do he need you to be sick to help him, help you understand him? Well, folks, rationalize. rationalize and, and I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. But people, because that's what religion teaches us. Religion teaches us to compromise what is written in order to cope. We're not here to cope. We're not here to try to get from one week to the next. If you go to church to get a fix, you're an addict. An addict to what? Church. A church addict. A churchaholic. A churchaholic. I told you some folks you, you might, you might, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I'm telling you being nice and friendly and all that, it, it ain't work for some folks. I've had to cut, cut some folks off. You know, you teach and, preach and teaching, and preaching, and teaching, and preaching, teaching, preaching, teaching, preaching. Five years later, you're still asking the same question. Now I said, there, there is no such thing as a dumb question, but it's a dumb question. If you keep asking the same old question over and over and over and over again. Like, you know, the answer is the same. The answer is the same. The answer is the same. Why are you still asking the same question you were asking five years ago? Why are you still in the same place you were at five years ago? Why are you still doing it and and, and behaving the same way you you behaved five years ago? Has there been no change? Has there been no growth? What's the problem? Do you believe what is written? Or is there something in you that is resisting the truth as it is written that is keeping you and holding you stagnant? We're supposed to be growing. We're supposed to be coming more and more powerful in the things of my, uh, of Messiah. We're supposed to be walking in a greater level of faith. We're supposed to be having a confidence in the almighty that, that, that he has called us to, to have. It, it's amazing how you have people who have this knowledge of the almighty and yet they broke and pope. Can I tell you something? Yeshua didn't need money. We don't see him ever spending a dime. But do you know something? He was rich in resources. He's the only person I know of who have fed multitudes without going to the food bank. Again, I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. I'm just pointing out what's there. Just in case, and you got people now talking about, well, you know, the way he wants us to feed, feed the hungry is, you know, we got gleaners and the food bank and, and, and all of these food trucks and, 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 and and food pantries. You know, that's how, that's how, that's how we now That's how the church do it. That's how the church do it. If we talk the Bible, if we talk what in, in the Bible, the righteous will never be forsaken. It's seed. We'll never have to beg for bread. Jehovah gives us the ability to get wealth. Why? To establish his covenant. You may not want a whole lot, but you should never, you should have need of nothing. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. He has promised to meet all of our needs. What's the problem? What's the problem, folks? What are we looking to? See, we got stuff in us that contradicts what is written. And we operate on what is in us, whereas we need to get that out of us, get what is written in us, and then we'll start seeing the salvation, the mighty hand, the powerful works, just as Messiah, if, if Messiah can, can, can do these things without being dependent on, on, on currency. I mean, you know, he told Peter, go down to the, to the lake. There's a fish now, you know, how the fish got the corn in his mouth. I don't know, but he had it. And you sure know where he was and told Peter to go to him. And what does that tell us? He'll tell you where your provisions are. All you got to do is have ears to hear. He'll lead you and guide you into all truth. He will show you. Religion hurts us and it keeps us from walking in the authority that we've been commissioned and given by the Messiah. And when we refuse to do that, we, we compromise our walk in a variety of areas. And we never grow to the place of maturity he's calling us to do. Verse 36 Religion existed, but the gospel of the kingdom had never been preached in Israel prior to Yeshua. John the Baptist announced the kingdom was at hand. Yeshua brought the kingdom power and gospel. But when he saw the multitudes, he will move with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad. Now you got synagogues, you got temple, you got Pharisees galore, you got scribes and rulers And yet the people fainted. They had all this religion. They had the Torah. They had the rules, the regulations, the traditions. They had all that. And yet they were scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Some of you who are listening to me will never walk in this kingdom authority and power. And I'm not prophesying. I'm just telling you, you'll never walk in it. Why? You have other teachings in you that contradict what I'm teaching. You got other teachers you listen to who contradict what I'm teaching. You try to take what I'm saying and mixing it with what you got, with what you know. And you're gonna have some issues. Why? Because it's not, you you can't mix Yeshua's teachings with your belief systems. Many are stuck in Catholic and Protestant religious traditions. You will hold on to the same Jesus instead of Yeshua, the same Christ instead of moving over to. Well, why can't we use Jesus? Well, why do you want to use Jesus if you know his name ain't Jesus? Because that's what I'm accustomed to, and that's what, you know. Go ahead, stay stuck. Hold on to Sunday, hold on to Christmas, hold on to Easter. Defend Christian traditions, try to blend Christianity, Judaism, and Messianic traditions. You do all that. Many will continue to compromise, to go alone, to get along. Many will cleave to the Jewish calendar and Jewish holidays, ascribing miracles of God to events like Purim and Hanukkah, trying to connect prophecies of Messiah to traditions and holidays, trying to t- take what I'm saying on top of What you know. And it ain't going to work. It ain't working for you. I don't even know why some people keep coming back. I don't even know why some people keep tuning in. And that's not to say don't come back and don't tune in. It's just that what's the point? See, if you're not going to take these things and run with them. You are a target. And you wonder why you keep getting attacked. Well, basically, it ain't, it ain't got nothing to do with you other than the fact that you're not taking what he's giving you and running with it. You're being attacked because the enemy just keeps coming to steal, kill and destroy. He keeps coming to just rip you off. He keeps coming to take from you. He keeps coming because because you got something that belongs to him. And you know what that is? Disobedience, rebellion, stiff neckedness hard heartedness you got his religion I hope you're getting mad ask yourself why I'm not talking to y'all I'm talking to them you hear but you can't hear you listen but you don't follow instructions sound familiar these people hear but they don't hear they see but they can't see It's not that father didn't want to heal them and save them. It's that their belief system was stuck in their belief system. Their faith was stuck in their belief system. Yeshua came and taught some stuff that was contrary to the things that they believe, and they abandoned him to hold on to what they do. Yeshua could not work with the religious leaders of his day because they had established religion that would require him to come under their authority and their teachings, which were full of leaven. Religion will never set you free. Religion offers a form of godliness. Religion will tell you what you can't do and burn you with a lot of rules and traditions to bring you into conformity with these traditions. Think about this. Christianity is in virtually every country with most, if not all, denominations having worship on Sunday and preaching Jesus Christ. Mostly all of them are fighting the truth of the Sabbath. It's not just here in the United States. In, in, in Africa, in Asia, in the Caribbeans, in Europe, wherever you go, you got churches fighting the commandments. People who believe in Jesus Christ, people who are in church, people who are religious. People who got these big edifices laden with all kinds of gold and silver and, 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 and idols. You got religion in every nation on every continent. Denominations galore. Even Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists. Anybody from any country that is listening to me. Tell me that ain't so. Anybody who has been to any other country outside these United States, wherever you have gone, there have been churches. And when this truth go forth, those folks fight it. Just like they're trying to tell us we're falling from grace. They're telling the people in their countries, you're falling from grace. That's the true religion. This is not the true religion. Mostly, all of them are fighting the truth of the Sabbath, substituted grace instead of keeping the commandments, sanction eating unclean things, observing a whole host of Christian traditions, just like here in the United States. Go to Russia. Been to Ukraine, Georgia, the country, Israel. Sitting in people's homes. Where they're offering me clean food. And I not think about it. You know, you are bringing me clean food, but you got all this swine that you eating. You're supposed to be messianic. I'm, I'm amazed when I, when I come across messianics who don't even wear tassels, they don't wear seat seats. And when they do, they're ashamed of them. Many of them, they hide them. Why are you hiding your tassels? Well, brother, you know, you can wear them inside or you can wear them out. What's the difference? Well, why are you wearing them on the inside? Because I just don't, don't want to be, you know, making it look like um, I'm, you know, I'm trying to be something. Okay? Fool yourself. Tell you what you need to tell you to do. See, I know when I first started wearing these, I was ashamed of them. I was ashamed of them. I would do just like some of y'all do. I put them in my pocket or flip them on the inside. Well, at least I got them on. It doesn't say the commandment. Don't say we have to wear them out so you can see them. Well, I can't see them. How are they reminding me if they're hidden? They reject the truth of the word. Following behind Christianity is Judaism. In several countries, there are those who have substituted or crossed over from Christianity to Messianic Judaism, mixing or replacing Christian traditions with all the trappings of Jewish traditions. Now you go to a messianic community and they face an east. Why are you facing east? Praying over candles, singing shema. You know, Shema is not a song. It means hear and obey. You want a Shema? Obey. That's Shemaing. The neutral religion Yeshua taught was based on truth, not traditions. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. I got a few more slides and I'm done. John 14, 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. John 15, 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. John 16, 13. Albeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. 1 John 4, 6. We are of Elohim. He that knoweth Elohim heareth us. He that is not of Elohim heareth not us. Hereby know we the Spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You can face east to pray and pray over your Sabbath candles all you want. You can learn and speak Hebrew fluently in all of its dialects, all of its idioms, and figures of speech. You can sing the Shema in Hebrew all day long. You can blow the shofar till you can't breathe no more. You can fast every day and pray in tongues all day long covered in a prayer shawl. But none of these things will set you free. None of them. Freedom, according to Messiah, only comes one way. Truth. And abiding in or continuing in that truth. John 8, 31. Then said Yeshua to those Jews which believed on him. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know when he said that they got upset with him? Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free ebooks on our ministry website at com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel-Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Bailey one If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints.